Shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing us with free samples. If you feel like your allergies are having a comeback tour and you want relief quickly, you can try Astapro. Astapro delivers full prescription strength indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny, and itchy nose and sneezing. And it starts working in just 30 minutes. Get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount. That's A-S-T-E-P-R-O allergy.com. Use this directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. Welcome to Switched On Pop. I'm songwriter Charlie Harding. And I'm musicologist Nate Sloan. Nate, this year we've been doing a lot of Grammys coverage. Uh, I think because there have been songs and artists that I've been really interested in, music that has captivated me. Yeah. And this week, we're going to talk with one of the nominees for Best New Artist, Kay Trinata. Kay Trinata is really inspiring. Like so many other artists in this category, he's not a Best New Artist. He's been doing this for a long while, building this career and getting a lot of recognition. Literally moving from making beats in his mom's basement to making beats with collaborators like Pharrell and Anderson Pac, Sid... Mad Lib recently announced. He's got two tracks coming with Mad Lib. Very cool. And he's done work for Mary J. Blige, Alicia Keys, Chance the Rapper, Kendrick Lamar, and Madonna. Yeah, yeah. But I think the first time that I heard Kate Tronado was when you played me his track at our weekly team meeting. Yeah, I think there were probably four weeks in a row where I was just suggesting everyone listen to different tracks from 99.9%. That album is going to be on my end-of-decade list, for sure. Mm. There's something uh, about the way that Catronata uses samples that just rocks me to my core. Mm. And I feel a certain kind of kinship, in a way, because... You know, I'm a music historian. Right. And I feel like at his best, Catronata is making a statement that DJs and producers are music historians themselves. What do you mean? Like, break that down for me. Let's take a track from 99.9% like Light Spots. <laughs> I remember when you first played this for me, it was instantly hypnotizing. There was something about the way that he's flipping these samples that it's frantic and yet super groovy at the same time. And I'm wanting to know the references. And yeah, just I'm totally captivated. The sample here is from a 1973 record by the Brazilian singer Gal Costa called India. And this particular track is called Pantos de Luz. Maybe the first thing you hear when you compare the original to Catronata's light spots is that he's bumping up the tempo. His version of this song is a little bit faster, a little bit brighter. Right. But otherwise, he's really leaving the original pretty unchanged. Hmm. It's kind of like you're hanging out in his living room and he's like, hey, check out this uh, classic Brazilian Tropicalia release I just dug up. This kind of obscure 
deep cut. Let's just like kind of sink into the couch and listen to this together. And you're like, yeah, whoa, this is cool. I've never heard this before. It makes sense because he's famous for his DJing skills as much as he is as a producer. And then you get to this one point in the Gal Costa original where she says these lines in Portuguese that roughly translate to something like, I feel very happy. In fact, I dare say I feel completely happy. And at that moment, Catronata stops the track. Hmm. He grabs those three lines of lyrics and he starts looping it hmm. in this way that completely catches you off guard, kind of surprises you, and then, like you were saying, just totally sucks you into its world. Oh, and then we get the house beat. Oh, it's so good. This is where Catronata as historian comes into the picture. Hmm. In a way, what he's doing there is he's asking you to pay attention to like, I don't know, what is it? Like three seconds of music from this <laughs> three minute long track. And he's asking you to pay really close attention. Listen really carefully to this. And I'm going to help you. I'm going to put it on a loop, and I'm going to give it to you over and over and over mm. again. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to ask you to just contemplate this little snippet of music in such a deep way. It's like the aural equivalent of standing in front of a painting and, and asking someone to just look deeper at that brushstroke. Don't look at the whole painting for a second. Just look at this one brushstroke. Mm. This is like the DJ equivalent of that. Like, step away from the song and just listen to this little scrap of melody for a second and just sit with that. Pay attention to it. Let it burrow deep into your mind and soul. And I see how here in the music, you take this phrase, even if you don't speak Portuguese, there is something so captivating. It definitely makes you want to go deeper into the song. Look it up, find the references, see what the sample is. Go do the reverse crate digging. Find all of his references. Yeah, that's right, right. So not only is Catronada the historian, but he's enlisting you to become a music historian mm. as well. You've been conscripted <laughs> into the ranks now. And of course, he's not just putting this scrap of melody under the microscope for you. Right. Like you said, he's also adding something. And he's adding this just ridiculously danceable house groove on top mm. of what's already like a very thickly instrumentated section of music. Right. But he's giving you this modern element. He's bringing 1973 and crash landing it into 2016. <laughs> so it's like a bit of history, but like all good historians, he's trying to make that history relevant. Mm. And he's trying to say history repeats itself. What's old is new. This song may have resonated with people when it was released in the same way that a modern dance track would strike you today. Hmm. We're bridging that historical gap. 
It's like the other day you were telling me about how you've been watching all these TikTok videos about Marxist capitalist theory. <laughs> yeah, the Gen Z is really good at them. <laughs> and you don't have the time or inclination to dig into like Marxist theory. You're not going to like read a thousand page book, but you will watch a 30 second TikTok video because it's fun and it's accessible and it's like right in the palm of your hand. You know, we want history to be accessible like that. We want it to be enjoyable. That's what DJs do. Mm. They take music history and they make it fun and pleasurable and they don't make it kind of distant or intimidating. This song brings this obscure 1973 track to life for you, for you to dance to, for you to bathe in, for you to go do your research. It's like, I don't know, it's, to me it's more than just a fun track to listen to. It's mm. like history in action. I love your passion here. <laughs> this is a song that totally connected with me as well. And, you know, obviously there's a part of me that's like, yeah, but lots of people sample, right? It's not like he's the only one doing this. And yet there's a certain way in which the way that he flips his samples where, as you put it earlier, they're like, it's raw. It's really honest to the original material. It's not trying to obscure it. So you're like, oh, I, I, I see the thing that you're doing. And yet still finds a way to make it really compelling for this moment. Mm. And I wanted to talk to him about that and talk to him about how he developed his craft and how over a decade he built a career to the point of the recognition of a Grammy Best New Artist nomination. I am Kate Trinata, all the way from Montreal, Canada. Been making beats since I was a youngin and now here I am best new artist for the Grammys it's really crazy and exciting let's just go back to the beginning take me to the start what got you into making music music was always in me and I always wanted to make music it was when I was 14 just like finding out about those softwares online like virtual DJ and tractor I downloaded the demo of Fruity Loops bunch of times but I never knew how to work and it was my little brother who was just like nah that's how you do it that's how you do the drums. That's how you do the, the, the bass. Like, he literally taught me everything. And it was kind of deep already when I was, like, 14 and 15, just finding out about chopping samples and making loops and stuff like that. Where were you? Where was this happening? I was actually at, like, the suburbs. And it's, like, a city called Saint-Hubert, not too far from Montreal, but it's, like, nothing going on, really. It was really in my mom's basement. And, like, we had a PC that we had to share, the whole family. And then I was making my beats there. What was motivating me was this like small community in YouTube where there's a bunch of producers posting their beats and people were just giving you props like, yeah, this is dope. This is nice. So that and my brother was mostly like the motivation of what kept me going. Was there a moment of significant validation outside of your family and that immediate small community? There was the one thing that really popped off. It was like this small community when I was like, um, 19, and it was just beat makers in Montreal or just suburbs around the city. And then we come together in the city to just show off our beats and people were just giving us props and give us encouragement. And then that's when you knew that music was more than just music. It was like everything that came with it. You know? In addition to making your own work at this point, you're also heavily in DJ culture and also into remixing. You're posting remixes to SoundCloud. There's a song that really takes off. What is it? How does it happen? I post this remix of Giant Jackson. I was really inspired by this Flying Lotus show. 
that I just seen. And that night I made that remix in one night. Posted at 5 a.m. I go to sleep. And then it's like 12 p.m. I get notifications off my phone. It's like my SoundCloud going crazy. Just like 100 notifications on SoundCloud. And it was like, what the heck? And I just go back to sleep because I was like a night owl. Those were my night owl days. I would like wake up at 4 p.m. <laughs> and then it's like 4 p.m. You'd see like your page. There's like 2,000 likes on this remix that you posted like today. That was something that was like unimaginable. And then the remix eventually blew up and it got bigger. People were still talking about it, you know. And I waited a little longer for the Teacher Moses one to come out after. See you all around my way. I put it out and that one kind of did twice as much as big as it is, you know? People are still talking about it today and it's like, wow. Like, I just knew I had something. It kept on being like, oh my God, Kate Trinata makes those remixes. So that's where the SoundCloud fame came up with, you know? It sounds like these remixes, especially the Janet Jackson remix of If that you put up in 2012, this is happening spontaneously in my in my my room with my brother you know like still sharing rooms and you talk about it now with a you know a great degree of confidence which is deserved did you know that it was good then i knew it was good but i just didn't know that people would like it i was like if you like it you know that's cool it kind of like crossed over a lot of like genres to me it was like this like whatever hip-hop experimental like r&b thing i'm doing and people saw it as house too like it's like it broke through the house well it broke through like the r&b and hip-hop and you know dance music so it was like whoa <laughs> what what am i actually doing what genre am i actually going for so yeah because sonically it's kind of strange you have a hip-hop 808 bass but you're playing it as if it's like a p-funk style funk bass rather than you know how it might be used in track literally You've got a four-to-the-floor house beat and this kind of like DIY Casio sort of keyboard sound in the background with future bass pumping sounds. Exactly. Like there's no generic continuity, but it works. Yeah, it's like Nintendo, like Super Nintendo synths with like bass, you know, the same way we use as trap. It's like I just use it as like a P-Funk, like you said, kind of like the boogie inspirations. Does the breadth of sounds that you're pulling from at this point reflect what's going on for you as a DJ? Like, is that why you're playing so many different kinds of sounds all mashed together? It's like really just what I'm listening to. I was not really into just one genre of music. So it's really a mixture of genres. But it can be one thing at the same time. It can just be some boogie stuff. But you know that hip-hop, after that, they actually like took stuff from boogie and made it hip-hop, you know? It's really like kind of like a full circle of genres, you know, like all the jazz stuff that I'm influenced about, you know, house It's really, it really comes from disco. And it's so many of like those things that comes around again, you know? What's, what's old is new. Yeah. yeah. You have these remixes. They seem to pop off bigger than the next. So what happened after your remixes blew up? I met my manager who booked me for this show in Halifax. And all I asked was like, I need a hotel room and I need $200 and that's it. And I eventually go to Halifax, which was like my first plane trip and my first show outside of the city. And then the next day he was like, do you need help with your management? And I'm like, I don't have a manager right now. Yeah, I kind of need help. He's like, okay, well, let's do this. We all started from like 
the beginning. And I think in one week I was in blogs. People were starting to talk about me. I was starting to make noise. I I do this EP. It's called Catra Toto. It's not available on streaming anymore. But I do this EP and then I go on tour in Europe. And it's like everything is still keeps on growing from then from then on. And it's like I just went to Europe and that really changed my life. Like I was not the same after, you know. A lot of people start taking notice. You go on the road opening, DJing for Madonna. It seems like lots of opportunities are happening. What pulls you back home to record your first LP? I think the whole time I was working on my first LP, which was 99. It was supposed to be an EP at first. XL heard the EP and they were like, well, this is so good. We need an album. So I was like, cool. You know, I was ready to do an album. I was ready to like just come out with, you know, a body of work. And I was still on tour at the same time while working. And it was really bothering me. Nobody heard those songs. It's like, what are we doing? You know, Hmm. like I should go back and finish this record and put it together. And I was kind of burned out. So I was really like, okay, I need to stop touring. And then I just went back home. Home was still in the basement, was still in my mom's basement. Put everything together. And then I think I turned it um, in 2016, like just in January or December 2015. Shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing us with free samples. If you have allergies, then I've got a familiar scenario for you. You wake up on a beautiful spring morning and peek outside to get a feel of that nice breeze, but then you start to feel a little tickle in your nostrils. That tickle is the spring air telling you to go be a hermit and avoid the outside because you'll soon be a sniffling, sneezing mess. But don't listen to it. Allergies suck, but a good nasal spray makes all the difference. I personally learned that I suffer from adult onset allergies, and it's a real bummer. But a good allergy med makes all the difference for my ability to go out in the springtime to smell magnolias, my favorite flower. If you also want relief quickly to get back to breathing in the spring air, you can try Astapro. Astapro delivers full prescription strength indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. And it starts working in just 30 minutes. Get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount. That's A-S-T-E-P-R-O allergy.com. Use as directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Let's talk about some of what's going on on 99.9%. 
there are a lot of extraordinary collaborations here. I think one of the the standout tracks is Glowed Up with Anderson Pock. Tell me about first how the beat came together for you. How did this track come together? Uh, I made the beat like around those times, like 2012, before I blew up. And like, I really had a phase where I used to sample like library sounds and just put traps over them, like just trap drums. What do you mean library sounds? You know, library music, like the KPM and all those like, kind of like music for movies. It's like instrumental music, but yeah. for moods, and then you just put that in like, like a movie or something. But it's like those vinyls, like if you check on those records, they are always have amazing samples. And if you, if you check on the sci-fi section, that's where they use the synths or they'll use like, just like crazy, like vintage sounds. Sampling is core to your sound. Mm-hmm. What drives you to produce in this fairly laborious form? I've been on, on hip hop music for a while now. I come from actually like, you know, listening to, to a lot of Jay Dilla. Just Blaze, Knife Warner, all those producers were just like Madlim. They all just sample a lot of records and they do crate digging and they just, at the same time, you discover a lot of music and your knowledge music just expands on a crazy level just by discovering those records, just by crate digging. And, mm-hmm. you know, I had a phase where I used to crate dig. Like I have, I have my record collection right here. From the beginning, the absolute beginning, like I, I sample and sample. And I mm. just, just mm. learned from my favorite producers, honestly. Mm. So you take this library music, you set it to a beat. How does the collaboration with Anderson happen? Anderson Pack was just coming up. I just sent beats and he had a bunch of demos of like in my songs, which is that's why there's two parts on Glowed Up, you know? Yeah, there's a there's a first half and then sort of two thirds of the way through, there's a sample flip and the whole thing changes up. Tell me about that. I did Glowed Up because it was like, that's like a personal one that I really love. Like, and I just wanted to put down the album and like, of course he wouldn't, he wouldn't finish the song. Of course he wouldn't finish the song. So that's why I put it as an interlude. You said you were sending beats to him. You weren't in the same room working together. Nah, nah. Like, most of the 99.9 was mostly done in my mom's basement. Like, I didn't have any guests recording with me. You're just emailing back and forth. Yeah, at the time it was working because, you know, people used to work remotely and it was like we would end up, end up meeting later, later much in life. Well, especially for you as a producer where, you know, you're not, you're not putting down vocals, so you're working with a lot of collaborators and there's, there's many standout ones. I know another highlight for me is Sid of the internet on the song You're the One. Yeah. How would you describe the the production? What's going on in that song? <laughs> it's so all over the place to me. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like to me, like when I did "You're the One," I was just messing around. I had this new 
um, <laughs> some fatty and then I just really mess with like the bass. At the the size, bass. Yeah. Like you see the bass, it really sounds like moogie and nasty. Like it was like, it doesn't really make sense to me. Like right now I'm like, wow, I really let that one slide. But people love it, you know? It was really me just messing around. And you know, I never use MIDI controllers before using your the one you know what i'm saying so i was really all making like by drawing stuff on the mouse and stuff like that hmm. yeah so you got this super deep funk bass line again we got some sort of house production part of what's surprising though is that all of your work prior to the song was done clicking things in with a mouse into your software but your your drums don't sound programmed there's life to them how do you breathe life into drums when it's happening and it's you know just right there on your computer. I don't know. It's like I'm, I'm really obsessed with like not having to sound like this, like very computer or quantized. So, you know, I would drag like you know the the hi hats late, and it would like automatically sound like it's not quantized. You know, okay. I would do the same with the bass. You know, it's like it's two different swings in one beat when I used to like produce with the mouse. It was a part where things are quantized, like the kick and the snare. And then like, you know, the chords, the hi-hat, cannot forget the hi-hat and then, you know, the bass and everything else has to be like pushed back, like more forward so that it'll give like this kind of like, oh, something is, oh, it's not gonna catch up. Oh, I actually did it. And it's like this swing, like you'll feel like to the back of your neck. Even in the process of making this first LP, you're landing some meaningful collaborations, but you're still self-educating. You're learning new ways of making music. Tell me about where do we go from 99.9% to Bubba? How, what, what happens in the in-between from 2016 to 2019? Sunday, I wasn't inspired. I was really like constantly making stuff and... I was using Fruity Loops at the time. Like I did the whole dynamics, like I mixed the whole stuff on Fruity Loops. So it was like, I got this Mac and then Native Instruments, shout out to Native Instruments for sending me uh, the machine. And that software just looks so beautiful that I was like, I gotta use it, you know? I gotta learn <laughs> how to use it. So I was really like on my quest to learn the machine. And I was just making terrible beats for like two or three months like in a row <laughs> really trying to find myself I was not really trying to work on the album i was really trying to be this producer mm. you know and i just couldn't figure out why i was like not the producer i wanted to be mm. and i was like of course i don't live in la you know i don't live in like the spots where the music industry is happening you know it's like or stuff like that mm. so that really bothered me and i also moved out of my mom's house as well so it's like all these changes in my life and i was just living life really i was going out partying more and eventually the idea of bubba came around 2018 in my birthday when teacher moses sent me a uh, culture I 
Culture was the first beat and then I was like, okay, an album is coming. Like sometimes you just know like, okay, I've got to work on this album. I got to work on an album. And then like I kind of sat on it trying to get more people involved. I went to LA for a couple months to just, you know, now, like I told you, 99.9% was like this record where I was just collaborating remotely. Right. But now it got to a point where I was like, you know, I'm, I got to meet the artist. I got to like catch a vibe. I want to be the producer I've never been. I was still kind of shy. So I was just always like never really saying anything, but the artist was always doing their thing. You know, Kali Uches and, um, you know, Estelle, they all did their own thing. And I was just like, wow, I can't really say nothing. Like now I got to like, <laughs> let's watch what you do. It was all these like demos coming together and I had enough material and it was like all dance music. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to do a dance electronic album, focus on that. You know, the hip hop or all the beat stuff that I was making is going to like wait for a little while. So I just did the electronic and dance album and that's how Bubba came together, really. Let's talk about uh, 10% with Kaliuchis. Yeah. You're out in Los Angeles. This is sort of the first time formally collaborating in a room. You've got some really talented folks. You're feeling a little shy. Yeah. But you get some great material out of this. 10% with Kaliuchis gets some really great play, and it's a really fun track. How does this come together? You know, Kaliuchis, like, we worked on her first mixtape. We go way back. It's like in the beginning of her career, like, I brought her at Coachella to perform because we had this song called Rush, and I really like this song. This is, like, an amazing song that people should not sleep on. That's like the first song we ever worked together. We always was just friends after that. And then we did 10%. But we've been sitting on 10% for years because it was like 2017. And then it took me like over a year that I had to link, like we worked together again. And then I was like, hmm. hey, you want to add something to that song? It's cool because we all see, I see my evolution and I see hers too. So it's like, it's kind of, it's kind of nice to see that. I sampled this like drum loop by um, this R&B band called First Choice. Love thing. It's like this classic, like really known drum loop in there. So I just did like random synths, like what I usually do at the time. Because that's why it sounds really reminiscent to like what I used to do. added since and then the years went on by and then I just added a couple stuff like you know strings and those little like plucky synths at the end and just trying to make it like better you know make it sound better make it sound less stated and you know that's what it was I feel like there's this sort of internet obsession of trying to figure out what is the Catronata sound what what are what are those sounds that you you sort of identify as a personal sound some people like say, yeah, like I'm making a kitchen on a type beat. And it's like, I have no idea what you're talking about. But <laughs> <laughs> what, what are the things you think about that you care about in terms of representing yourself? The fact that I'm doing how when I do house music, I don't do it quantized. And I just like make that hi-hat super funky. The bass line, people are talking about, oh, Kitchen on a bass line. But it's not really my bass line. It's just 808 or just very a subby bass line that you feel like, like, you know, like the same way... Um, Jay Dilla used it or, you know, my lib uses. It's like a very subby bass that is just 
it kind of shakes the trunk of your car, you know? <laughs> so I always use a portamento on the synth. So it's like this, like every time it attacks. So that's what it is. And and there will be like some plucky synths, you know, you add some little plucky synths like in the end, like that's like the classic kitchen. You seem to think very deeply about the sonics of, of the work. You are saying earlier about how in the in between of these records, you're teaching yourself new tools, you're trying things out. You say there's a bunch of beats that you're making, which you're like, they're not hot beats. Yeah. And I've read in other interviews that there was a sort of moment of uh, maybe a crisis of confidence of like, wait a minute, why aren't some of the collaborations that I'm wanting to do working out? How do you know when a beat is whack or when it's really working and ready for another artist? Like you feel it in your body, you feel it like... I don't know, it's, maybe it's a hard thing. Like, I just based it on, like, whatever I feel over here in my chest or in my heart. If it makes me happy at another level, that's when I'm like, okay, I feel it now. This is this is great. This is good. But there are some times that it just don't hit right. And you're like, uh, maybe I'm, I shouldn't put this one out. Uh, this is not going to come out. There's sometimes that you feel this way. And some nights that it's like, oh, my God, this is the most amazing shit I ever did. And then <laughs> and then you, you wake up the next day and then you're like, uh Maybe not. I'm not sure. As an instrumental producer, what continues to drive your creative curiosities? What kind of statements are you wanting to make or discover? I just love making music, really. And the fact that I have this gift of making music, like, it's, it, it's amazing. And I, I don't even know how to play keys. And I still manage to create my own production and create my own uh, compositions. That's really, like, fascinating. That's, like, something I should really not take for granted, you know? Like it's something I'm really, I'm really, I'm really happy to have that talent of knowing what's good and what's not in my ears. I guess this is this is really a gift because I can't really comprehend like that. How come I know all these things about music and I really was not consistent with like my piano lessons growing up and, and stuff like that, you know? So, yeah. Many people have noted your music over the last decade. There's been many different stages from remixing to getting signed to XL, your 99.9% record. But with Bubba, you have the Grammys saying, hey, we've got nominations for Best Dance Recording for 10%, Best Dance Electronic Album for the whole album, and also Best New Artist. I'm curious about how this external validation changes things for you. It's amazing, man. It's something that it's like secure. My place is secure in like, <laughs> I don't know. It definitely gives you like a secure feeling that your stuff is dope officially. Like we know the Grammys have like have their controversies, but it's still dope to be recognized. It's really amazing. It's something that is really historical, whether you like it or not. It's amazing, especially coming from where I come from. It's like I, I'm, I'm always speechless when I talk about like me being nominated because it's it still feels a little weird, you know. I can't really wrap my head around the fact not just making stuff here where I'm actually sitting at. Yeah, you're no longer in your mom's basement, but you're nearby. Yeah, uh, I even come back spot. to my mom's basement, make beats sometimes, you know, just because <laughs> I'm bored sometimes. But I'm just making beats and I just compile records to make albums. And then I get recognized from that. It's really amazing. It's really great. What's next for you? Just last week, I was like, you know what? I'm going to work on a new album. There's a lot of crazy things that, that's, that is happening in my life. And I could use a lot of that in like writing. Because I've been writing a lot of lyrics and just mm. me singing demos and stuff like that. 
what's going on and what are you wanting to say? Relationship stuff. Because I know my life is okay outside of this relationship I had. But I know like this would be good lyric content, you know, for the album and stuff like that. So I'm really trying to make like, you know, a continuation of whatever I'm at, you know, in, in terms of like life and my evolution as, as a beat maker. Because I did evolve uh, since Bubba, you know, and it's like, I was really happy that Bubba came out at the time because, like, it was, for me, it was like, yeah, this is who I am, really. This is really the evolution, you know? Hmm. Now it's like I've evolved again even more. Like, I think it's like an everyday thing. So I just want the people to hear that sooner or later, you know? Beautiful stuff. It's been really a joy getting to chat with you. I really appreciate it. Thank you for joining us on the show. Well, thank you for having me. It's It's been great. Thank you. Switched on Pop is produced by Bridget Armstrong, Nate Sloan, and me, Charlie Harding. We are illustrated by Iris Gottlieb and social media by Abby Barr. Engineering by Brandon McFarland and this week by Bill Lance. Our executive producers are Nishat Karwa and Hannah Rosen. We're a member of the Vox Media Podcast Network and a production of Vulture. You can find more episodes of our show on the Apple Podcast app on Spotify or literally anywhere you get podcasts. Also, tell us what you're listening to. Tell us your burning music questions at switched on pop on twitter and instagram we love talking to you and many of our best ideas come from our listeners so hit us up join us again next week on tuesday and until then thanks Thanks for for listening one final shout out to astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing us with free samples you know what's a terrible question what's your favorite part of having nasal allergies I don't know. Absolutely nothing. Luckily, you might be able to find some relief with Astapro. Astapro delivers full prescription strength indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. And it starts working in just 30 minutes. Get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount. That's astaproallergy.com. Use this directive for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. Why do you run? Why does anyone? I always thought that runners loved running, and that's not the case. Most runners hate running, (laughs) but they choose to do it. In the new docuseries Running Sucks, brought to you by Teen Milk, Abby Ayers learns why women runners everywhere are driven to go the distance. It really is about taking my power back and proving myself wrong. Teen Milk is about fueling women's performance and helping them along their marathon journeys. You can sign up now for the inaugural Every Woman's Marathon taking place in Savannah, Georgia on November 16th, 2024. Learn more and register at everywomansmarathon.com.